But then I realized the bigger the dream for me, the better I could attach to it. And then the more I was able to take those actions. You've got to have a dream that you love so much that you can't not do it. Welcome everyone to Do Well and Do Good. You're here because you have the desire to create financial freedom, but you also want to make a powerful, positive impact on the world. This podcast exists to tell the inspiring stories of men and women who have achieved both, people who do well and do good. I'm your host, Dorothy Ilson, and I'm here to help you discover proof that individuals have the ability to make a massive impact. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to introduce to you today's guest, Carrie Paxton. Carrie was raised in a typical family and was really the epitome of traditional school success. But as an adult, she has chosen a far from typical lifestyle. As an entrepreneur fueled by her passion for education, Carrie wants to break the mold of classroom-based learning to show children and their families that real life and learning isn't limited to school. Through her mastermind groups and tutoring business, Carrie is proving that kids who don't fit into the system can still be wildly successful at life by learning something different, learning somewhere different, and learning differently. In this episode, Carrie and I talk about why you don't need to wait to give back in your business, you know, how you can really do it from the start. We talk about disruption in education, the idea of world schooling your kids and, and what that means, as well as how masterminds have impacted Carrie in her journey as an entrepreneur. I'm just so inspired by Carrie's vision for her business and where she is heading, and I hope that you will be as well. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Carrie Paxton. Carrie, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm excited to have you here. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, so let's dive straight into your story. Could you tell me you know, what was life like for you growing up and what were the beliefs around money and success that were instilled in you as a child? I'd say my life was really normal. That doesn't mean bad. It just means like I came from a two-parent household. They loved me dearly. They gave me everything I wanted. Granted, I didn't want for much, but they gave me everything I wanted. As, as far as money... I don't think I really had any beliefs about money. Uh, we lived very comfortably. My parents took me on vacations, not wild and crazy and fancy vacations, but solid vacations. I guess, you know, I, it just, my parents took care of all of that. Later though, and I'm, I'm really thankful that, for this, my dad really instilled in me two, two main things about money. One, that when you have a credit card, you pay it off in full no matter what. Credit card isn't just, you know, free money. It's real money and you shouldn't put anything on a credit card that you don't have. So I learned that from him in high school. He got me a credit card as soon as I could qualify for one like attached to his name or whatever. And then second, he taught me how to balance my checkbook, which I did religiously <laughs> for a very long time. Even Back when that was a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even into the electronic age, it wasn't really until I got married probably that I actually got into the online banking side of life. <laughs> um, 
I know that you, uh, you know, you've said that you did have this, you know, uh, this real success in school and, you know, really in the traditional sense. Did you know when you were growing up, you know, as you were going through high school that you eventually wanted to be an entrepreneur or was that really, um, you know, something that kind of came up for you later? It definitely came up later. I had no idea, but in retrospect, I probably should have known. Um, (laughs) Way back when in elementary school, I started my own school in the neighborhood. No kidding. Yeah, it was called Carrie Saturday Side School. And I couldn't tell you how long it ran, but this was not just a few weeks. I mean, I think it ran for at least a year, maybe longer. You know, I sent applications to all the families with younger kids and I had course books that they could review and sign their kids up for different courses. And I even got some friends in on it to be teachers. I didn't pay them, but uh, (laughs) so apparently I had these ideas a long time ago, but I never really knew that it could be a real thing. For a while, I thought I was going to be a lawyer and then I thought I was going to be a child psychologist. And then I ended up as a teacher. I guess also that goes back to the school I started. But I guess I just didn't know it was a possibility to do my own thing. Yeah. Well, so tell me, what did that transition look like from traditional teaching into you know, starting your business? Honestly, it was an accident. I was teaching. I got pregnant. I expected to go back to the classroom at some point in time, but I was fortunate enough that I didn't have to right away. I have always wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, and I was fortunate that I could. And I didn't even know that at the time that that I was pregnant, that it was going to work out that way. And I started tutoring. I wanted to bring in a little bit of money here and there. I wanted to feel like I was contributing. And quite frankly, I just loved it. So I was tutoring and then I started getting more and more clients. And then I finally got so many clients, I couldn't handle all of them anymore. And I had to start referring them to other people or saying, I'm sorry, I can't help you right now. From there... I realized, gosh, I could make a business of this. I could find a way to scale it. And, and I'm right in that process right now of scale and seeing how I can help more people at once because really helping one student at a time, though it's super helpful to them, it's not helping the masses. Right, right. Well, you know, it's interesting because I think that people often get this idea in their heads that they have to achieve some certain level of success before, you know, impact or giving back can even be a part of the conversation. When you reached out to me about coming on the show, you mentioned how you're an example of the way to do good right away as you're building a business from the ground up. So talk to me about how you're doing that. So I started a scholarship program. It's devastating to me that a lot of families who need help for their students can't afford the help. And often the response to that is, well, if it's that important to you, you're going to find a way to pay for it. But in a lot of cases, that's not true. Especially... a really privileged statement, that in and of itself. Exactly. For some families, yes, they might be able to find a way. They might be able to make some changes and find a way. But for others, they really are doing everything they can already. And it just, it kills me that these families don't have a lot of resources. Yes, their kids might get help through school, but oftentimes it's not enough or it's not the right kind of help. And then sometimes there are programs that they can go to that are free. But again, it's not necessarily the right kind of help. So I started a scholarship program right away. Um, I have a three-to-one scholarship ratio. Actually, it's not fair to say right away. 
it came up after I went to Thrive 4, which was last, I don't know, September. Um, for anyone, I, I know what Thrive is. I've, I've been to it. It's amazing. But for anyone who doesn't, could you just tell basically what, what that event is? Sure. So Thrive is an event for for-purpose entrepreneurs. It teaches entrepreneurs how to start or run and scale a for-profit business. For-purpose business. Yes. A for-purpose. Well, yeah, I guess both. (laughs) Which means that it's a for-profit, typically a for-profit business because that can be scaled in a different way than a nonprofit. So a a for-profit business that you can then use your income or your business in some way to funnel back into the community and do a lot of good. Um, Really your message. Do well and do good. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's funny, uh, you know, and I think about ever since I went to Thrive, I've had uh, probably at least a quarter of the guests that have been on the show since then are in some way connected to Thrive. But um, so you mentioned this three to one scholarship um, program that you have now. What, what does that mean? So for every three clients who pay me for a package, I then bring on one scholarship client. They get the same amount of time, the same amount of benefits, the same amount of attention, but they don't have to pay a dime. I found, unfortunately, I could not sustain that three to one ratio. So I ended up changing it to five to one. I just, I don't have that much time for that many students. And then in the mastermind groups that I'm just piloting this summer, I plan to have a four to one ratio, which would max out at 10 students per group. Gotcha. So, you know, why was it so important to you to do this from the start rather than, you know, waiting as so many people do until they've reached some income level or or some, you know, some measure of success? I just want to help people. And right now, that's the best way I can do it. I also think it's really important to start that habit and to model it for my, my own kids that there are ways that people can help each other and people can give back even if you don't have a lot of money. Though money's great and fi- financial donations are absolutely wonderful, sometimes the smaller ways of donating or, or giving time can be more meaningful to the people who are directly receiving those benefits. I love that you said the word habit because that's something that I believe so strongly. Giving is a habit. It's a muscle that we build just like anything else. And you know, when you hear people talk about like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll give, I'll give when this, I'll give when that. You know, the reality is, is that you know, if if you're not giving when you're making a little, you're probably not going to be giving when you're making a lot. And so, uh, you know, I love that you talk about building that habit early and and modeling that for your kids as well. Um, you know, I'm curious, are there any other things that you're doing or, or you know, how do you think about instilling this, uh, this idea of giving back and contribution in both your own kids and potentially even the kids that you're tutoring? I try and model it. I try and talk about what I do to help people. My kids are still pretty young. They're four and two. So I haven't actually taken them in the world to do something yet, although that's probably something we should be thinking about pretty soon. Um, and quite honestly, I, I don't think I really have modeled it with my students. So that's something I really should get to doing. And, and that could definitely be part of my mastermind program because I want to do meetups with the kids and I would love to incorporate some kind of service component with that. So thanks for the idea. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Well, so Carrie, as entrepreneurs, 
we talk about disruption all the time, right? You know, Uber disrupting transportation or Airbnb disrupting hotels, Warby Parker disrupting the eyeglass industry. You know, if we're talking about the power of entrepreneurship to make a substantial positive difference in the world, honestly, I don't know that there's any industry more in need of disruption than the education system. So, you know, I'm curious, would you agree? And if so, you know, what do you think needs to happen? Well, I can't answer that second part. What do we think needs to happen? I wish I could. And people ask me all the time. And truly, my best answer is I have no idea. And I'm not sure that anyone could come up with something that works. Our country is huge. Our country is diverse. We ask that all of our students go to school. And those are all wonderful things. It's what makes this place so wonderful. But at the same time, I don't know how we create a system that meets everyone. As, as far as disrupting, yeah, absolutely, it needs disrupting. I think that schools unintentionally create cycles of anxiety. Um, the language we use with our students, the, the things we're asking them to do without really preparing the students for doing them, it just it creates this, this terrible cycle for students. You know, I, I have students say that the teachers tell them to ask questions when they don't understand. But then when the students ask questions, they get in trouble for not paying attention. And their response to me is, but I was paying attention. I was doing my best, but I really just didn't understand. And I know no teacher, no teacher that I know anyway, would intentionally dissuade a student from learning or dissuade them from paying attention, but, or rather asking questions. But it just, it seems to happen because of the environment that, that school has to be to try and be one size fits all when really it's just not working. Yeah. I know that you have intentions of world schooling your own kids. What does that mean? So world schooling can mean lots of different things to different people. But to me, I plan to homeschool my kids and teach them about the world by being in the world. We want to actively travel where we want, when we want, for as long as we want. We go to a place. If we like it, we hang around. If we don't, we move on. You know, we give it at least a little bit of time. And for me, when we're there, it's important that we kind of assimilate into the culture as opposed to play tourist. So I think you kind of play tourist first, learn learn what you need to know, and then you, you start to ad- adapt to whatever's going on there. I just feel like that's a much better way to teach my kids where they can learn about things firsthand rather than just through a book. There's so many stereotypes, I think, about homeschooling. And, you know, people have these fears that, you know, their kids won't be well adjusted. They won't be socialized. You know, they're, you know, they're not going to get the same types of experiences. So I'm curious, you know, how do you think about that? You know, are those concerns for you? If not, why? Uh, and, you know, what would you say to those people? So that's the number one response I usually get is, well, how are you going to socialize your kids? (laughs) And I have so many answers to that one too. Um, First of all, when homeschooling for me is not sitting in our house all day, will there be an element of some book learning? Of course. But my kids will probably be spending more time with people than they would be if they were in school. Because if you think about it, when, when you're in school, Kids are told to sit down, be quiet, and listen. Now, most of the time, that isn't 
really happening, even in the best of schools. You know, kids are social and they're trying to talk and they're being silly and doing whatever. And then the teachers are spending time telling this more time telling the students, well, sit down, be quiet and listen and do your work. And and it's really this unhealthy social environment. Um, and And students are learning to socialize with their peers, maybe sort of, but they're also not learning how to socialize with other different kinds of people. It's their peers and their teachers. And that teacher-student relationship is unique, but it's not the same relationship that they'd have with other adults. So they're not, they're just not getting a world view and they're not getting socialized globally with across lots of different kinds of people. Um, So I feel like they can have better opportunities to socialize and more authentic opportunities if they're not in a school all day. And two, for, for someone who is spending more time at home rather than traveling, there are homeschool groups, co-ops, a lot of museums. They're starting to offer classes now or community colleges offer classes for homeschoolers to get together. There are just, there's so many opportunities that it's, you're not necessarily creating the, the awkward child who doesn't have any friends. Absolutely. I love that. Well, so moving back to your business, you know, you and I, Carrie, uh, we met through a mastermind that we're both a part of. How have masterminds impacted you and changed your business? And as an extension of that, events too, you know, things like Thrive. The mastermind model was not really something I was familiar with until I joined the group that we're both a part of. But it's, it's made me realize that it gives really authentic opportunities for connection and that I can give those same opportunities to my students. While I'm not necessarily talking business with my students, although I do all want them to know that that's a possibility, they can connect in these, these meaningful groups of people who they can relate to. I get in there on these calls with the kids and they start talking about things and they realize they relate. Someone says something and the other kid's like, oh my gosh, yes. And suddenly they realize someone, someone gets them when they're really in a world of people who don't get them, or at least the perception is they, the students feel like the other people aren't getting them. So they're suddenly in a community where where people understand who they are and then they feel comfortable to talk and problem solve amongst each other, which isn't something that we see going on a lot, I think, in school because it's so focused on academics. So what's your vision for these mastermind groups for students? You know, what, what do you hope that that looks like in you know, two, three, four years? So I have a really big vision. I'm sure it'll get tweaked along the way. But where I am right now is that I kind of have a three-tier model. That the first tier, the kids are coming in as teens and they're developing confidence. We're doing all kinds of confidence-boosting activities around um, developing self-trust and then keeping promises to yourself and stacking those and really setting up yourself with habits for success. Then I would love to have a second tier where the students leaving the first tier who choose to will be trained to run that first tier group themselves or run new groups themselves, which will be monitored, of course. And then those students would participate in a second tier where they get to learn about business, going into business for themselves. Um, Just all different kinds of models and strategies and just exposure because a lot of times they don't have that exposure. And then the third tier, and this, this is something that's so far off for me because I'm not there yet, 
would be that these students would get coaches to actually help them start their business. You know, clearly this, this is down the road, but I'm really excited about it and I'm putting all of my energy and efforts into making it work. I love it. Carrie, you know, what's been the biggest challenge for you in each, you know, this, this place you're in now of transforming your business from, you know, a lot of the one-on-one, uh, you know, type of tutoring into something more scalable? Couple things. Um, I feel totally lost. I know what I want to do, (laughs) right? I, and I think, I think every entrepreneur is probably in that position, but when we see someone who's further along in the journey than we are, we look at them and think they know everything and think they have all the confidence and they don't feel lost, but really it's a constant journey. Anyone is probably, or anyone should be on a constant journey of self-improvement and improving their business and serving more people and getting it right and serving them to the best of their abilities. And anyone who's not constantly working on those things, maybe they're not that great of people. Um, or maybe they, they need a mindset shift. So just, just feeling lost and having these goals, but not, not knowing how to get there. And then also having people think you're crazy. <laughs> right, right. Why would you do that? Why don't you go back to the classroom? Wouldn't it just be easier? You know, some people, some people can make an online business work or a new business work, but most people can't. So why would you try? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, first of all, like that, that kind of negative influence from people in our lives, like that can be one of the most challenging things to deal with because it's for a lot of people coming from those who are closest to us, you know, who are well intentioned. Um, but, you know, we really need to, to tune that out. And then I think, you know, what you said about feeling lost, I've started to, come to understand it, you know, almost like, uh, I think the best analogy I can come up with is like plateaus when you're trying to lose weight or something like that. It's like, you'll have this period of, uh, you know, of growth in your business where, you know, you, you know what you're doing, you know what you're working towards and you know how to execute and you're just, you know, head down and, and doing it. And then you get there, you know, you get to that next milestone, that next goal, and you're confused again. You know, what, what do I do next? Where do I go from here? And, I used to think that that was something that was only in the beginning, only in the early stages, but I've come to realize that that really never ends. You know, it's just always this, this experience of up leveling, figuring it out, and then, you know, up leveling, up leveling again and, and starting that process over. And I think that, you know, it can be very hard, especially with social media. You know, we talk about um, you know social media only showing the the best parts of our lives or our businesses. And I had an experience recently where a um, another agency owner. So you know, as most most of our listeners know, I I run a digital ad agency, and this other agency owner, you know, someone who I really just thought had it all together. You know, someone I look to as, you know, they're they're doing it right. You know, that's that's where I want to be. They they posted this really vulnerable story about some of the challenges that they've experienced over the last couple of years in their business. And I read it and I was just absolutely floored that, you know, this person was going through all of the same things that I was, all of the same struggles, you know, these same shared experiences. And here I was, you know, looking at them thinking, you know, they've got it all together. You know, I'm the only one who's dealing with this. And, and I think that, you know, whatever industry you're in, whatever business you're in, you know, whatever your goals are, that's, that's pretty much true of, of everyone. So, 
you know, do you have any, um, you know, any tips or, um, or things that you do to just, you know, keep your, yourself in a good headspace, you know, block out those, um, you know, negative influencers in your life and, and, you know, keep moving forward in a positive way? So I do. Um, I'd say most important, I have a vision letter and, uh, the, uh, well, first I have a coach. I think that's key. You need, and, and I was so closed to getting help. I kept saying, Hey, I can do this. I can do it. I don't need help. But you know what? I wasn't doing it. I believed I could do it, but I still wasn't taking action. So first I got a coach. Next, my coach had me write a vision letter. And when he had me do it, I almost wanted to walk out. I said, no, this is not me. It's too hippy dippy. It's not going to help. I don't know what to say. I don't even have a vision. And let me tell you, that's a problem right there. You kind of need a vision if you want to have any forward motion, right? It's like that old saying, if, if you don't know where you're going, you might not like where you end up. Exactly. So I have a vision letter that I write every six months. And every time I write it, my vision changes. It's still that that big picture of world schooling my kids and having a business that gives me some amount of freedom of time and freedom of place. But every six months, it's a little different and I have different goals. And then from there, I break it down. I break it down. And this, this is what my coach has me do. This is not my own, my own thing. So I really have to credit him for that. Um, I break it down to monthly goals. I make sure those monthly goals align with my vision. And then weekly goals and I make or weekly actions. And that's key right there is the actions, making sure the actions you choose are 100% within your control. They're attainable. They're things you can commit to no matter what. And those actions have to align with your goals and your goals align with your vision. So for example, you know, might that be, whereas a results-based goal would be, you know, get one more coaching client versus an action-based goal would be, you know, make 10 sales calls or post, you know, something like that. Exactly. So the monthly goal might be get one more client. And then the weekly action would be make 10 sales calls or whatever it is. Exactly. And I think that that really helps me keep on the right track, knowing that everything I'm choosing to do is in alignment with my goal, which is in alignment with my vision. And then really the people who aren't so cool with what I'm doing or aren't celebrating it, I just don't talk about it with them. It's not like I'm keeping it a secret or or trying to be rude by not sharing it. I just I find other things to talk about. And then it just eliminates that side of the conversation completely. I love it. I love it. Well, so, you know, Carrie, just to wrap things up, you know, is there any parting guidance that you would give to, you know, someone who, you know, was was maybe in your shoes a couple of years ago, you know, where they have this entrepreneurial drive, they know they want to do something on their own, but they either, you know, don't know how to get started or they're scared to get started. You know, what would you say to that person? First, I would say dream bigger. You're probably not dreaming big enough. I really struggled with that. Everyone kept telling me to dream bigger. I was like, no, you're crazy. <laughs> um, but then I realized the bigger the dream for me, the better I could attach to it. And then the more I was able to take those actions. You've got to have a dream that you love so much that you can't not do it. So you keep dreaming. You keep dreaming bigger. You keep dreaming crazier until you are just so attached to whatever it is that you want to do that you have to take steps. But then you also have to know that 
you're not going to reach that dream right away. It's going to be a constant process and that that dream is going to evolve and that's okay. Amazing. Carrie, I just cannot think of a better place to wrap it up than there. Um, I, I know, you know, having met you, you know, many months ago at this point and just seeing the way that your business has continued to evolve, I just can't wait to see, you know, where you're going to take it with, um, with the way that you are impacting these students for the better. So thank you for that. And thank you for sharing. So where can our listeners go to learn more about you, about your business and to you know, follow everything you're doing? The best place is probably to connect with a phone call. You can get to me through Facebook. I have a link to my Calendly. You just book a call with me. It goes right onto my calendar and then I call you. Um, I'm really just starting in the social media game and figuring all of that out. So absolutely find me on Facebook or Instagram. I'm Carrie Paxton Hartsberger, but I don't have all that much going on there yet. So get on on a phone call with me and let's just chat. I love it. Well, Carrie, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you very much. All right, everyone. That's our show. Now, before I sign off, I want to genuinely thank you for giving me this gift of your time and attention. I know how valuable that is. And so it truly means the world to be able to spread this message with you. Now, if you are getting value from this podcast, the most helpful thing you can do is to leave a five-star review and share this with your friends. Post a screenshot to your Instagram stories or even text the link to someone specific that you think would find value in this also. So with that, I hope this episode has inspired you to do well and do good. And I'll see you back here next week.